Hey, this is Ronsley, and this is Win the Day with James, the man, Whitaker. <laughs> You're listening to Win the Day with James Whitaker. What we do in life echoes in eternity. Broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, this is the number one podcast to help you win the day every day. Here's your host, James Whitaker. Let's go. Welcome back to Win The Day. If this is your first time here, we sit down with some of the world's true change makers to give you all the tips, tools, and strategies to win the day every day. And if you run your own business or are thinking about starting your own business and want to leverage your voice for massive impact, this is the episode for you. The quote for today comes from Philip McKernan and says, our greatest gift lies next to our deepest wound. Our greatest gift lies next to our deepest wound. And our guest has certainly been able to leverage some pretty deep wounds to share gifts that have helped millions of people around the world. Ronzi Vaz is founder of award-winning marketing agency, Amplify. As the world's first audio marketing agency, Amplify helps clients like Darren Olim, Gary Vaynerchuk, and leaders from pretty much any industry you can think of to stand out in an increasingly noisy marketplace. Ronsley's first book, Amplify, has helped countless companies, associations, and individuals to raise their voice, boost their brand, and grow their business. Through his range of podcasts, including Bon Appetit and Should I Start a Podcast, Ronsley has been downloaded and listened to more than 5 million times in 133 countries. I mean, we could talk all day long about his accolades. He's founder of We Are Podcast, which is the first podcasting conference in the Southern Hemisphere. He's producer and host of Audio Documentary, The Psychology of Entrepreneurship, and he's spoken on stages all over the world. He's also got not one, but two master's degrees, and his TED Talk, The Perfect Recipe for a Deep Conversation, encourages real connection and inspires people to think bigger than their circumstances and unite behind a common good. But all these successes were preceded by one primary defining failure. In 2013, Ronsley leveraged his passion for cooking to open an Indian-Portuguese restaurant in Brisbane, Australia, where I'm from, that he hoped would be a huge success and help him spend the rest of his life doing what he loved. Yet shortly after, and which coincided with him being just three months into marriage, the restaurant shut with almost half a million dollars in debt. After his dreams went up in smoke, Ronsley hopped back on the entrepreneurial saddle and launched the Uber for chefing, connecting professionally trained chefs with people who wanted prepared meals conveniently available in their own fridge to save them from doing their own meal prep. To promote that venture, Ronsley started a podcast, Bon Appetit, which surpassed 1 million downloads in just four months. And just last year, Ronsley and I launched a membership group to help inspired business owners leverage the power of podcasting to generate massive growth for their business. In this episode, which I'm so excited about, we're going to talk about how Ronsley went from bankruptcy to seven figures in just two years, the number one reason why most businesses fail, how to monetize your passion, and what podcasting can do to 10x your business. I mean, Ronsley literally wrote the book on making money from your podcast. And we've even got a special free resource that we'll mention in the episode to help you leverage podcasting to grow your business. It's hot off the presses, and I know this is going to be enormously valuable. Before we begin, hit that subscribe button, and if there's a friend or loved one who needs to hear this episode, share it with them right now. All right, let's win the day with my good friend, Ronsley Vaz. Well, Ron, it's great to see you, my friend. It's about bloody time we had you on the Win the Day show. 
I was wondering when you were going to ask me, I was like, hey, James, you know that thing that we were supposed to do? I thought you were just avoiding me. <laughs> <laughs> you can always track me down. Well, I'm, I'm super excited for today. We're going to get into the world of podcasting, business growth, the psychology of entrepreneurship, and so many other things. And I really feel that you've lived nine lives already. You've been a financial planner, a software engineer, a, a DJ, a podcaster, owner of a marketing agency, chef, all of these different things. And you've also had business experience experiences, some really bad ones that you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. But as you and I know, our, our greatest gift lies next to our deepest wound. So to kick things off, I was wondering if you would mind sharing about what was the biggest adversity or failure that you have faced that you've been able to identify an equivalent benefit or outcome from? Well, um, I, I suppose you're going to refer. You're referring in particular to the restaurant and and, and that escapade. Um, it's weird because over time that doesn't become the most painful wound. I think for uh, an entrepreneur, and especially when you've gone through it, like um, I think the biggest, the best thing about that story is going half as four hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars in debt. And then paying that off and going debt free in two years and one month is probably kind of like um, heals a lot of those wounds that probably would have been, you know, open if um, if that was not done. So for me, I think the biggest lesson I learned from that first uh, business failure, um, and by the way, I can easily point to a, a different variety of circumstances that would imply that it's not my fault, but you know, it's my business. It's my fault. Um, yeah, all roads lead back to you as the, the, the business owner. <laughs> 100% like, uh, and hindsight's always 2020. So you kind of look back and go, I could have done that and I could have done that. But the biggest thing I learned was finding an audience before you make or spend money creating your thing. Because for the restaurant, when I started the restaurant, people told me, monetize your passion. And you know this, James, like I, I've told you this, but I've cooked for some people, some of the most famous people around the world and some crazy stories around different things around my food, which is like just even weird to mention. But they told me to monetize my passion. So I went and started a restaurant. And um, before opening the doors to get money coming in, I was already 220 grand ish in uh, behind because I had to, you know, spend money on staff and permits and uh, internal work and uh, external work and this is everything. Right. Um, And it was almost like I never caught up. It just wouldn't let me catch up. And then the business model for a restaurant is so broken that if you can, if you make 10% in net profit, you are like one of the top 1% of restaurants in Australia. And that is a really bad stat. And it, like, it's a stat that I don't know what our business, uh, what our government is doing about that, because a lot of the money goes into permits and stuff like that. My point is, um, I was already behind because then I had to convince the audience that, hey, this is something that you, you need to try. And then I had to remarket to them again every time they left the restaurant. So there was this massive problems in terms of I was too young in my entrepreneurship journey to fix them all in one go or even predict them. So 
for me, ever since then, um, I didn't learn that lesson immediately. But when people helped, told me to start, you know, help them start a podcast, I said, okay, I'll take eight people. Um, and at the end of the week, I had 32 grand in my account, which didn't stay there because it had to go pay this debt off, right? So <laughs> it went immediately going to paying down this debt. But I found a way to pay, it out, pay off this debt but also create with the audience as opposed to, hey, I've got this thing, please buy, and then it doesn't work for them. Yeah, so much to unpack there. So much to unpack. How, First of all, how has your process of dealing with failure evolved or shifted in the last eight or 10 years that you have been on this entrepreneurial journey? I don't know. Failure is hard to like even... I think the word has changed or the meaning has changed and failure and success and goals and all those words, the definition for me has changed quite a lot. Um, and to, am, to, give, to give you a big acknowledgement here, like you you are someone who is always willing to take action irrespective of what has happened in the past. Like that, that ability to dust yourself off very, very quickly and not being afraid to introduce something new just to see how that lands for an audience is, I really think is one of your great superpowers because you, you have that authenticity and the fact that you're not afraid to give new things a shot and leverage emerging opportunities that might come out, I think are pretty powerful too. Thanks, James. And I think it's been one of those, you know, double-edged swords in the sense that um, I like to try new things and to see what works and tinker and test and like fidget and engineer. <laughs> um, um, but it, it can come across as, um, you know, shiny object syndrome, which is very... Um, Valid too. So there's double-edged sword to that sort of superpower. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. But um, I forgot the question. No, that's all good. As we say, as we say on this show a lot, experience isn't the best teacher; it's the only teacher. And having those nine lives of yours that we that we mentioned earlier, and I feel like I've gone through a lot of them in my my own career too. Uh, what have you realized are the the attributes that like a good, sustainable, profitable business has? Ooh, uh, the biggest one is that the founder grows with the business, I think is probably the biggest one. Um, in my opinion, looking at different companies that we've helped working with different clients, myself, my journey, friends who are entrepreneurs and very successful, seeing all those things, I probably the biggest by far is not probably for sure. It's the biggest one is the, the, the founder growing with the company in the sense that as founders, we go into a company with a lot of our personal baggage and a lot of our personal wounds, and then business exposes those wounds. So in general, as a founder, though, our first reaction is to hide those wounds from the world by overcompensating in some way, whatever that looks like uh, for different people, it's different. Um, and then, and, 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 and the growth for a business, success for a business comes when the founder decides that that is a wound. It's great that it's been exposed. If I can heal that wound, then 
my company is going to have the biggest impact. And I don't think we make that connection immediately. It takes a while before different things happen to make that connection. So um, that is by far, I think, my my to, to the, what I noticed the most. I feel like that is barely mentioned. Like the the fact that the founder grows with the business, I feel like that's about the best tip that someone could have with with entrepreneurship. We we hear a lot about things like ability to duplicate your expertise, which of course is very important. But the ability for the founder to grow with the business, because if you're if the founder is focused on growth in the business, it's it's going to be impossible really for them not to have growth in and that growth mindset in other areas of their life too. Well, I think that's that's what happens is that the founder tends to focus only on the number and think that there's no other correlation to the number other than the staff not doing their job. That's another common thing that I see in terms of blame is like, I will blame my team, but if I was in that situation and I did it all myself, I would not blame myself as much as I would have blamed my team because, Hey, it's not my responsibility. Right. And then suddenly you realize that because of that wound, I'm speaking for a friend here. No, I'm joking. This is my <laughs> personal wound. Um, you realize that it comes back around and you see your team blaming other people and you're like, where did this come from? Holy shit, it came from me. So it's like this really, um, it's a humbling, very, very, it, it's meant to be, I think, a humbling journey. Um, but it can be taken the other way because it exposes a lot of wounds. And even me saying that right now, I can feel like I can feel in my heart that I've just, it's not even closed yet. That wound is so raw for me even now. Like I can't even imagine that I did that. I wouldn't want to do that, but I did that. It's, there's no lying that about that, you know, the fact that it happened. So, um, I wish it was that easy to fix, but it's not. <laughs> it's it's directly aligned to parenting as well. Like your kids model behaviors. If you if you raise your voice or worse, if you raise your hands to your children, that's the way that they're going to be dealing with those things. And if you are a business owner who's going to be leading a team and wants to have a big impact, you better lead by example. That that extreme ownership is is really, really powerful. And that, that pivot that you made after what happened with the restaurant into creating the Uber for Chefing, which is just such a cool part of your, your journey, and then coming across podcasting, it really changed everything for you, opened up so many doors and completely changed your life. And that Bon Appetit podcast that amassed more than a million downloads in just the first four months, which is a, a crazy statistic no matter how you slice and dice it. How has your life changed since that defining moment of getting involved in podcasting? Everything, everything around me is because I started a podcast eight years ago. Like everything, there's nothing other than me and <laughs> myself, maybe Rochelle. Um, uh, but even my relationship with Rochelle, my wife, I think has, is, is like, you know, very different because of the podcast and the people I've been exposed to and uh, having those conversations and doing this uh, week in, week out. Um because there comes a time for an interviewer where you start to dread the interview because it, it's going to go deep. You know, you get to a point in your career where all your conversations get very deep. And if you are not in the right mental state, which is obviously something that we've not learned growing up, and it's something only now that it's coming out, and you're like, oh, that's what it is. 
if you're not in a good mental state, then, you know, I want to avoid those conversations. It's not easy to, to sit in that, um, in that uncomfortableness, um, and be present. So everything, uh, James, you and I, everything, everything around me, uh, um, is because I started a podcast. Yeah, it's it's that love of authentic conversation, like that real deep and meaningful conversation, which can be awkward to address. Like even before you and I were doing work together, we were always chatting about like the bigger picture. We were chatting about each other's business models. We were chatting about relationships and opportunities and and impact and influence and all of these different things. And you and I are connected with so many people around the world, so many people, yet there aren't many people that I recall where I actually remember the very first conversation that I had with them. And I remember the very first conversation that I had with you. Your TED Talk has been based about authentic conversation, your podcast, your business philosophy, and, and all of your relationships. Why is that authentic conversation so important to you? And what awareness or growth has that created for you personally? Oh, you know, the fact that you pointed out makes it when you point it out, you're like, oh yeah, of course. Um, and it makes sense, but you know, you don't, it doesn't strike you cause it's not something that I thought of before. Um, so I don't know whether, I don't know why it means so much to me, to be honest. I, I don't know what, and but if I have to guess, and if I have to like put an answer to it, um, I think that there's a lot of things in my life growing up, and the bits that I remember where I could not speak, or I didn't, I didn't feel like I could, or I didn't feel safe enough, or even when I did feel safe, it came out wrong. It still comes out wrong. A lot of the times, if I, if anyone on the planet has foot in the mouth disease, that's probably me. I'd say some crazy things. And it's weird because it's almost like the other person needed to hear that, but I didn't know that at all. And it always happens. It, and I say always, it happens way too often that I will say something that's not meant to be said. So um, <laughs> not because I'm trying to be a dick or anything, it just comes out and I'm like, and, and in, a, in, in an entirely different perspective, not even trying to expose anyone in any context, it just is a question and it lands up becoming, it, it lands up being the wound um, that, that, that gets exposed. So, oh, man, I, I, I feel like coming to Australia, speaking English my whole life, saying words that were made fun of, even though I'm like, wait a minute. In when I was in India and I spoke Hindi, they made fun of my Hindi because it was apparently with an English accent. So when I came here, my English was with an Indian accent. So it was. I think, I think all those little things um, probably uh, is what contributes to. Let's just say what we have to say, um, and also I hate gossip. Absolutely detest. That's why I don't follow the news. And I wish I could follow a, a news source that was really like authentically uh, journalism, but it's not, it's all gossip and, you know, it's changed so much. So yes. Yeah. I, and, and to the, if, if I, if Rochelle and me and my wife and me fight the most, it's probably because I say, I don't want to hear about this because it's something that's going to become a gossip. It's like, it, that's, I, that's, that's the amount of, 
that I hate getting into this superficial conversation about stuff. I, I, so I don't know to answer your question why it means so much, but it is definitely a pattern. Um, and um, yeah, I, 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 I'm going to meditate on that shit now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that meaningful conversation, yes, it can, it can ostracize some people if, if they're not aligned, but it also brings a lot of people to your cause and your tribe. And that's when you can create those movements and all of those different things that happen, which is just so much more fulfilling than talking about the weather or talking about any, anything else. Uh, a couple of years back, 2019, you launched The Psychology of Entrepreneurship, which is an awesome podcast. It's also the only podcast I've heard that actually gives me chills just listening to the trailer and the, the intro. It's so amazing, the, the depth and the level of production that you put into that. So it's an amazing show. Uh, you address things on it, apart from obviously interviewing some of the most successful business people on the planet. You talk about things like going into death row and like literally interviewing people on death row, uh, which you and I have done separately too, which was just such an amazing thing from a um, shifting your perspective moment. You talk about social injustice, digital currency, all of these different elements. With the Psychology of Entrepreneurship podcast, what's the, what was the big problem that you wanted to solve and why does that project in particular mean so much to you? Yeah, uh, th there were a couple of things and no one really asked me this question before, which is weird. So... Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, really weird, <laughs> but I'm, this, this is definitely going into my one pager for my podcast. <laughs> um, but I started the psychology of entrepreneurship because, um, a few of my friends had taken their lives and some of them were entrepreneurs. Some of them were not, I believe mothers to be the original entrepreneurs, you know that. Uh, so I kind of believe that everyone's an entrepreneur in in a capacity if they recognize it, if they recognize it. So for me, I was worried that majoring in psychology with my MBA, uh, if a friend of mine, an entrepreneur dealing with all these decisions came to me and said, Hey, Ronsley, I'm struggling. I would not know, genuinely would not know what to do. And that was my first main reason for starting the podcast. The second was there is a psychology to the decision-making that, that we do uh, when we are in performance mode, when we are out of performance mode, when we're in rest mode, when we are in strategy mode, when we are in uh, breaking new ground mode. There's all these different levels to, you know, different phases in an entrepreneur's journey in creation. And this, the psychology of our decision-making is so important that a small decision uh, made continuously over time creates this big gap. And then you realize that you are, you have this big chasm to cross because of this one bad decision, not, not even bad decision, but you, it's more of a decision that you ignored because of some wound for sure. <laughs> so, um, so I decided that if I could become, uh, you know, a student of the psychology of entrepreneurship, what would that look like? And if I were to take my interviews, um, deeper, what would that look like? So that's how that all came together I also wanted to create something that had never been created before in the sense that if we could use frequencies and use sound and use uh, voices to actually 
get a physical reaction out of the listener, then uh, that would be something that we could implement for our clients. So that putting that all together, that's how the psychology of entrepreneurship was born. It was great to get a front row seat to some of those interviews you did when you were over in America too. It seems like a, a distant memory with the, the last two years that's, that's happened with, with COVID. Uh, as you mentioned, they're like the best entrepreneurs on the planet are the ones who are doing work that deeply aligns with their passion. Yet there are still so many people out there that don't believe they can monetize their passion. If someone right now was to come up to you and say, here I am, I'm passionate about something. I don't know how to monetize it. What are the types of steps that you would take them through? Ooh. Well, the first thing I would say is uh, if you've, going back to my chef analogies, because I I'm, I'm actually really love food, right? I love, I love your food too. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything about food. I love even looking at a restaurant and how chefs like an orchestra are getting this one plate ready for you to put in front of you. Like it's just beautiful how all that comes together. And if you take the time to realize where all the ingredients came from. Um, it's just such a beautiful process. But the reason I'm bringing it up, um, sorry, James, what was the question again? I lost my train of thought. That's cool about helping people monetize their passion. What uh, are the steps that you yeah. would take them through? Yeah. The reason I brought up the chef example is because when you taste someone's food at a restaurant, you say, wow, this is awesome that chef has made so many bad dishes. I promise you it, there's been a lot of burnt pans. There's been a lot of like burnt, um, limbs, uh, fingers cut off, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, ingredients wasted. Um, and I think when someone is thinking about monetizing or getting into business, especially for the first time, the idea is to avoid breaking anything. And you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs is a common phrase. But if you, t if you take that into business, I just want people who are getting into business to realize that to business properly before COVID, people used to go to business school for years to understand the principles of business. Don't be too hard on yourself because I remember the first time I learned to surf, I was wondering why this person was spending two hours on the beach, getting me to stand on this, on this board. I'm like, the water is just there. <laughs> and then when I got into the water, I realized that <laughs> I couldn't even get on the board. Yeah, get me so back I to the had, sand. <laughs> I had this illusion of what was going to happen when I was actually doing it. And I think when people are getting into business and getting into entrepreneurship, there are these illusions because we look on social media and we can only see someone's highlight reels. No one's going to put up stuff of all the failures. They're only going to show all the TED talks or the books or the, Hey, check out who I interviewed. Um, and you kind of have this feeling that my journey has got to be like that. So I want to put those things up. Uh, but I promise you, it's not like that interviewing over 1400 people who are very, very similar in the terms of how they operate. It's, it's not like that. And, and most of the time we, we are not even ready to talk about our wounds yet. So we don't even know how to express them to tell someone that, Hey, this is something that I'm dealing with or I've dealt with. And this is something that you got to look out for 
because we don't know how to process it ourselves. So um, someone starting for the first time to monetize, I want to say that it is possible, like you can monetize is the first thing. The second thing is there's an, you might have an illusion of how that journey is going to go. And it's not necessarily about bringing you down to earth or any of that stuff. It's about actually looking at what the real journey looks like, looking at that journey in the face and going, yes, I want to do this. Not, I want the easy route. Show me the 10 steps to become an entrepreneur. (laughs) (laughs) Gabby Reese actually said something in this. She's like, I want to be involved in things that inspire me to to motivate me to action on the rainy days, like when it sucks, the things that that I'm inspired to get up and take action when for most other things, I I wouldn't want to do that. And I think that's, uh, I think that's very, very important. And, uh, People out there, you know, they know that I do a lot of work with podcasting. You and I do a ton of work together on podcasting. I haven't produced anyone else's podcast. You have done that for hundreds and hundreds of, of companies and individuals and brands at this point, some of the most successful on the planet. What exactly does a podcast do to help a business grow? Oh my God, a podcast is everything. I, In my opinion, a podcast is everything. Like I, when I think of a business... I think that there's a bunch of people that want to work with this business that has no idea whether they want to or not. It's always the case. And every conversion in any business happens in a conversation. It doesn't matter whether you're getting a team member on board, a client, a partner, a sponsor, investor, doesn't matter. All those conversions happen in conversations. And if you can create the voice of your business and allow people to hear that voice even before they know or want or care about working with you, the power of that alone is like, what, 90% of what no other business has. Uh, And if you you put over that the zero moment of truth, which Google has done a a study on um, telling us that it takes 11 touch points, 7 uh, hours and four platforms, different platforms for someone who doesn't know you to trust you, to buy from you, that tells you that you need to be, keep your audience engaged. So if, 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 if that is the case, then the only form of content that can be kept engaging for the longest period of time is audio because it can be consumed while doing other things. Everything else, you've got to stop what you're doing to consume it, whether it's a book or a video or whatever. So the power of consumption and engagement with audio for a business in particular is worth like so much. If you just think about the last minute that I've been talking, I can go on forever. Uh But that is just the tip of the iceberg. Leave alone the kind of conversations and the people you meet. And I could literally stop everything right now and start something new and send a friends a couple of messages and say, hey, I'm starting this new thing. Uh, Can you help? And that's it. And it's only because of the podcast. So I think that I am very passionate about businesses having a podcast for their business 
to the point that I started the first podcasting conference here in 2015 with no return at all because I was like, it's just a conference. I'll bring people together, show them how powerful podcasting is. Did that every year for five years until you came along and you went, hey, dude, what are you doing? So the, the my point is, I think podcasting is so valuable for business that we don't even realize how to use it properly yet that we are ignoring it until someone else comes along and shows us how it's done, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, for people who have the right plan with their podcast, you get as the host a massive ROI on that show based on the relationships, the force learning that you're doing, uh, all of these different things, having a specific way that you might be able to add value to that person. It's going to open up opportunities to come your way. If you have the right plan for your podcast, you have a massive ROI before the episode has even been released. I, I really believe that. It's, it's so important. Um, and as you mentioned, like when, when COVID hit, you and I joined forces. It was the most uncertain time our generation has ever faced and, and really might ever face with how uh, prolonged this is. We uh, were able to um, leverage the relationship capital that we had, which is the biggest piece of, of the puzzle for the most part. And, and since then, we've been able to get more than 100, some of the most successful of the most uh, some are some of the most successful entrepreneurs and podcasters on the entire planet to be able to help our community to grow their business and monetize their passion and, and scale their business and podcast during that time. Uh, all of it comes back to relationships for me. All of it comes back to relationships for you too. What do you focus on when you're looking at creating and maintaining relationships with really influential people? I focus on getting along with the person, really. I mean, I think that I am um, genuinely curious about how people operate, probably. Um, so from a relationship standpoint, uh, I tend to keep relationships with people that I look up to or um, I know that some aspect of their life is going to rub off on me. Um, so I'm, I feel more and more that, um, that my, I've always known that the env my environment would dictate my success or my performance. Um, but it's never really been more accurate over the last couple of years because it's like through COVID, you only connect with the people that you want to connect with and you kind of go, you realize that, um, it's, it's so fascinating because then you get deeper into the ones that you want to connect with. And then the ones that you don't want to connect with, you don't, you don't really somehow you don't find the time. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, so for me, it's about the reps. Uh, and one of the things that got exposed over the last few years was how many reps I had with my parents or my immediate family. So, uh, as of one month and some days ago, um, I see them every day and we do mobility exercises for like 30 minutes, uh, which is crazy because uh, Rochelle's grandmother is 82 years old. My father-in-law has got Parkinson's, um, and they have not missed a single day of this WhatsApp call and, it's extremely weird to think that I see my family, my wife's family 
every day. <laughs> it's so weird. Means what's but your excuse think, too? If they're the ones turning up to do the mobility, you've got no excuses to, to not turn up. One hundred percent. And I have to say that there have been days where I wanted to skip it, but knowing that they are going to show up and I'm letting them down is just like it doesn't allow me to say okay. Uh, and it's not much. It's just, we're just rotating our wrists, lifting our knees, turning our backs. It's, it's just. I mean, think about it. Like they're they're all sixty and above. So. Um, but it's, you can tell the difference it's making in their life in general. Um, and I think for me, relationships obviously start at home. It's, they say it a lot, but it, for me, it did not. I had to learn, you know, how to <laughs> have conversations with so many other people and go deep and then come back um, and do that with my family. So um, I definitely think that COVID has exposed that part for me. Yeah, we're all in, we're all a work in progress, my friend. It's it's very very true. Uh, you and I have been working on this roadmap. We have been working very very hard behind the scenes, based on all the work that we have done with podcasters all over the world to get their massive results. I want to make sure people listening right now who are business owners or who and or have a podcast and want to be able to get some massive results for for their own business uh, can have a bit of an insight into that roadmap that we want to give away as a as a free resource. Can you give us a quick overview of this recurring results roadmap and maybe take us to maybe take us through two or three of the elements that you think? Think are worth highlighting? Yeah, I mean, when we were talking about the roadmap, one of the things that came up over and over again was that we definitely wanted to make sure that that business owners who had a podcast or were thinking of starting a podcast would get results. And for business owners, as we were talking about all this while, one of the things that is uh, that is evident is that there are lots of spinning plates, and we need we need focus because there's so many things that we're trying to, to, to focus on. We need, we need to focus on marketing, on team, on delivery, on, um, on advertising, on accounting, on tax. There's so many moving parts. So we wanted a, a, a way to give the business owner focus and give them a step-by-step um, uh, roadmap to be able to deliver the results that they were after. So, I've been obviously helping businesses start a podcast for a while now and I wrote a book about it. And the book is based on marketing principles 101, which is to get sales, you first need to get attention. Then you got to take that attention and convert that attention into engagement, then take the engagement and convert that engagement into sales. So it's kind of very simple from a marketing principles perspective. So that is the focus when you think about it. And, um, for businesses, we wanted to have a base so that they could build off. So the recurring results roadmap was created in a way that allowed the business owner to first get their base 10K in recurring revenue by focusing on attention, engagement, and sales, and then adding an amplifier, and then adding a 20K, 50K, and 100K in recurring revenue through various trainings after they had that base um, 10 K sorted. So it was basically how can we focus on the revenue to get the results? And we've got units in each training, uh, that allow the business owner to get the results that they're after. 
Hey, this is Mick Hawes. I'm a business owner, podcaster, and coach of amazing builders. I'm on the inside of We Are Podcast members, or as we call it, the Whamley. Now, if you're thinking about growing your business using your podcast and your online presence, come and join us on the inside. I'd love to meet you. James and Ronsley coach us to get recurring results in our business. And if you want that roadmap, which we all follow to get those recurring results, you can download it at roadmap.wearepodcast.com. Now back to the show. And Rons, you and I do so much work with our, our We Are members group. There's been so many amazing transformations, but we've, we've seen their businesses transform. But arguably, the, the biggest transformations, the most powerful transformations is what happens to these people individually, uh, what happens to us within, not just with our business. Is there a particular transformation from everyone who's been in our We Are members group that you're most proud of? Hmm. I know I've put you on the, on the spot here. We've got people wanting about about five different countries from from pretty much every yeah. background that you could that you could think of. So uh, I I don't know whether I'm proud of one person in particular, but I do think that I feel extremely proud every time they show up differently. Like the recent one was Melanie, who's recently gone deaf, total deaf in both years, uh, showing up to a mastermind. And literally schooling everyone else on the mastermind saying, you know what, don't be like me. I've been here for like an, uh, uh, over a year and did not do anything. And now it's taken me to go deaf in both ears to tell you that I'm going to start a podcast being deaf. <laughs> and you, Again, what's and your excuse? That was not the most necessarily the most impactful part, even though I was like blown away by Melanie. It was Elizabeth, who also has been around since the start, sending me a private message saying that Melanie is different. She would always look down and now she's telling other people to look up when they talk so she can read their lips. And I was like, Wow. That is phenomenal. So like that, we've had crazy results. I mean, looking at Byron, um, who used to do video for me and uh, who's who's filmed, you know, We Are Podcast, I think in 2017, maybe, uh, and 2018, if I'm correct, and uh, spoke at We Are Podcast 2018 uh, to see him create his podcast and create his dream and create his vision and have adoring fans like literally (laughs) drool over his content. Yeah, 15 million likes on TikTok, more than 300,000 podcast downloads. We had Byron on the show very recently. So for people who haven't heard that episode, you can go and check that one out with Byron Dempsey. He's really driving the, the younger generation forward with all the awesome stuff that's that's happening. And for Byron, getting out there in the real world. I mean, there's just, there's no substitute for getting your hands dirty, getting that real world experience to go and make those massive things happen. No, and Byron, obviously, I've known Byron for such a long time and I feel like, I feel like the capstone in this whole situation, even though I'm the furthest away from everyone in Australia, I feel like I'm the one unconsciously connecting these all these people together. Uh, Mick Hawes is another one who is just has has had a business for 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 you know he's he's the the business owner with experience getting into the online world and has found amazing results with his podcasts. Um, found his voice. Found his. I mean, his true calling in the sense of how to put his voice out there. 
So getting that kind of results has been has been really cool. Looking at Scott BC and his transformation as a person, as a human, uh, not forget it, even not even bringing up the results in terms of money, but just the the kind of person that he is and and what has changed so much. Scott Mitchell, definitely different. You can see that. Um, and you know, there are people in there that, um, it's, it's weird because we are members is very confronting. We call it the Whamley. Um, <laughs> um, the Whamley is very confronting because, um, obviously because of me, sometimes I can't help myself and, and say stuff that needs to be said. I just can't, uh, Ronald knows that the most probably. Um, uh, but but because there are other people in there that also are very similar in the sense that they um, they f- they find a way to step up or they find a way to grow and um, so seeing those transformations, Rebecca is <laughs> another one. There's so many, there are so many, and um, it's just so cool to be part of that for sure. Yeah, and you got to get around. Doesn't matter where you are in the world, get around an environment, a community of people that's going to hold you accountable. That's going to massively raise your limits of what's possible for you. Scott, now we are members group has funded his nonprofit. I think for the next eight years, something like that, because he's been able to make more than six figures in revenue from his podcast within, I think it was a nine or a ten month period. So massive wins like that all happen from the the power of community. Uh, before we move into the rocket round, Ron, I got two more questions for you. Uh, you've had so many cool experiences with all the the things you've done around the world and the people you've worked with is there one moment in particular that stands out as a bit of a pinch me moment or when you feel like maybe you'd, you'd made it oh i don't know about making it I, I never feel i've never had that feeling or i don't even know what it feels like to make it um and i, I can't even relate to that sort of idea of a question uh even trying to like decipher it now, it was like, oh, I don't know what that means. <laughs> Apart from a chef, when you literally, when you were a chef and you literally made it. <laughs> even when I made it, I was like, hey, I can do something different next time. It was never like I've never been. This dish is absolutely perfect. Let's record it and make it the same way the next time. It's never been the case, and so obviously that tells you a lot about how I tinker with stuff, um, and that's why <laughs> we can't get shit done in our business. Um, excuse of me. Um, yeah, I think for me, the thing that stands out and will probably always stand out for me, um, is, is one morning when I woke up and I checked into my Slack channel and it said VaynerX is part of the Slack channel or VaynerX has joined this Slack channel. And that I took a screenshot. It's somewhere, but, uh, it is I can't, I can't wrap my head around that um, because even though I've worked with some amazing actors and politicians and influences that are way more, I don't know, popular maybe than, than that, I remember being in debt, listening to Crush It, uh, watching Gary's... Um, Wine Library TV. This is Gary um, Vaynerchuk for people who don't is, know. Actually, in twenty, yeah, in, 20 yeah, in twenty, in twenty, for the few people out there who might not know, in twenty twelve, Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk was one of the books that that really got me prepared for that entrepreneurial journey. Um, it's an incredible book. Yeah, yeah. So that I didn't notice twenty twelve, but for me, twenty thirteen. That, 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 that was that was when I that was when I had read it. I don't know when it was released. Yeah, got it, got it. So 
2013 was my year uh, of uh, of uh, of debt, so I consumed it in 2013, <laughs> uh, and then going from there to uh, he was meant to speak at We Are Podcast 2016. He was meant to come to Australia, and we had that conversation, and then him, them, and and then in 2018, I was on a call, a sales call, and someone said, um, um, um. Someone said, hey, I'm trying to remember the exact line. Uh, Gary told me to buy whatever it is that you're selling. So can you please send me the paperwork? That was his <laughs> opening line. And I went, I, and I went, Gary, as in Vaynerchuk? Because I could not, like, when he didn't tell me that that was going to happen in terms of he's going to refer clients to me or any of that stuff. So... You'll and then <laughs> for them to become a client and us to do their podcast and, and become the expert for VaynerX in podcasting is just, um, I can't, I, I still can't wrap my head around that whole thing. So um, that stands out. Um, even though the podcast got million listeners and all that kind of stuff, that really doesn't. Um, and the TED talk, the TEDx talk making, being made a TED talk um, was another one that just... Um, I still can't wrap my head around that because um, I had no control, have no control over any of that stuff. And it just, I didn't know when it got made, someone from my hometown in Goa wanted me to do a TEDx talk for them. And they sent me uh, a message telling me that um, they would love to have a, to have a TED speaker speak. And I'm like, no, I've done a TEDx talk. And then they told me, no, it's a TED talk. It's on the website. I'm like, wait, what? So those two moments stand out for me for sure. Great moments. Well, final question for the rock around. On your best day, what's an affirmation that you would write on a flashcard to show yourself on your worst day? On your best day, what's an affirmation you would write on a flashcard to show yourself on your worst day? I love you, Ronsley. Nice. I love it. Simple words. Yeah, I just do that. I, it's changed a lot, has changed in, my, in the way I talk to myself. And now my default is those lines and it just keeps reminding me. And it's crazy because you can't love anyone if you don't love yourself. So um, that's the thesis behind that. All well, let's now move into the win the day rocket round. 10 questions for some fairly quick answers. Number one, what quote inspires you the most? The goal is not as important as the person you become trying to achieve that goal. So good. Number two, morning coffee or evening wine? I know the answer to this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't drink alcohol. Haven't drank for maybe three years now. So morning coffee for sure. <laughs> Number three, what's one bit of advice you would give your 18-year-old self? Love yourself, Ronsley. Number four, what book do you gift the most apart from your awesome book, Amplify? <laughs> um, uh, the Obstacle is the Way, Ryan Holiday. Number five, was there a vulnerability you once hid within that became your superpower? Yeah, uh, yeah, not being heard and now finding ways to uh, express myself and allow others to express their voices too. Number six, what's one thing you've learned about failure? There is none. Number seven, if you could sit on a park bench and have a conversation with someone alive or dead, who would it be? I don't know. Uh, you know I'd never leave you hanging if I saw you alone on a park bench. <laughs> I'd always join you. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, like, I never think that I've left anything unsaid, maybe. Uh, so it's hard for me to imagine that there's someone here that I've not said stuff to. <laughs> uh, but I... I am a I, I'm a huge fan of bringing people together. So, you know, if I could uh, if I could have that park bench filled with a bunch of my friends and family and 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 we all share a meal together, that would be super super awesome. Because like those kind of moments, um, the soul gets nourished in those kind of moments. That I don't think we pay attention to how much it does. So, yeah, that's what I would love. Uh, number eight: What tool or resource best helps you run your life or your business? my Monday morning brain dump has been by far the best thing I've implemented in the last seven years. So I wake up and uh, uh, on a Monday morning and just for 20 minutes, write everything that's in my brain. Um, I probably never look at it for the rest of the week, but it just helps me with overwhelm. I don't get overwhelmed because somehow my brain thinks it's already captured. It'll take care of itself. <laughs> if it works, yeah, keep keep doing it. <laughs> Number nine, share one thing on your bucket list. Climbing around the world for a year is on has been on my bucket list for a while. Um, just to climb all over the world in different crags around the world, it would be it would be cool. And now with COVID and stuff, it just feels like I have to do it. So yeah, yeah. Once things open up, you can you can make it happen. And final question, number ten. What's one thing you do to win the day? I wake up every day at 3.59 and I have a morning routine. I never miss it. I haven't missed it for I don't know how long. Um, And sometimes that routine just means me spending time with myself and looking out the window. But it's been very, it's transformed me and transformed everything. I also meditate like crazy. Um, It's, it's, it's been, it's been the best thing. I, I can just sit and meditate for an hour on in silence which I can't even imagine I'm saying that, but I can and I have done it and it's been amazing. So, yeah. So good. Well, there are a bunch of ways to connect with Ronzi and we'll link to all of these in the show notes. You can follow him on Instagram at Ronzi Vars, grab a copy of his awesome book, Amplify on Audible and check out his awesome podcast, The Psychology of Entrepreneurship. Again, all of that and more will be linked in the show notes. Ron, so great to see you, my friend. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, buddy. Uh, You're way more prepared uh, than I thought you would be. So thank you for having me. (laughs) Hopefully you're inspired now to start your own podcast or if you've already got one to go and shake it up. It's literally never been easier to grow your business using your voice and it will enable you to help a lot of people along the way. Remember to get a free copy of our recurring results roadmap for podcasters. To download it, go to wearepodcast.com slash results. Wearepodcast.com slash results. We'll include a link to that in the show notes. We've put in a lot of work on that roadmap and it's the perfect diagnosis tool to help your business be recognized as the authority in your industry and generate the revenue you want to have. That's all for this episode. Remember to get out there and win the day. Until next time, onwards and upwards, always.